CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Happy Taco Tuesday. It's The Hash. You're watching on Coindesk TV and listening on the Coindesk Podcast Network. I'm Jensen Assey. We've got Will Foxley and Wendy O here today on this fine Tuesday morning. Wendy, you are kicking us off. What do you got? I'm so sad this is not a Taco Tuesday story. But even though we have... I know. And you know what? I just hope everybody has a very corntastic day today, okay? It's getting old, (laughs) Wendy. We got got to get a new viral sensation thing to... Did it go viral uh, in the first place? Okay, Will... Come on. All right, let's talk about this story. So the Ethereum merge <laughs> went pretty smooth last week, which was great. Was it last week that it happened? Crypto just moved so fast. But unfortunately, we have this story as crypto market maker Wintermute has lost $160 million in a hack relating to its DeFi operations. Their OTC services have not been affected by the hack, but they provide billions of dollars in the market every day as they provide liquidity across multiple venues. And last week, the platform was named as the official DeFi market maker for the Tron network. And they're treating this as a white hat hack. And apparently this happened because the hacker took advantage of discovered vanity addresses and there was a vulnerability. So unfortunately, another day, another hack in crypto. I want to throw this over to Will for being sassy this morning. Yeah, I guess that fits pretty well with uh, me being sassy and people losing money. But that is what happens in DeFi, right? We've seen a lot of these stories this year. Regardless of how smooth the merge is, applications on top can still be in a precarious position because we're still learning how these things work, right? We've seen a lot of exploits this year, and this one just follows up on more of those. $160 million is obviously nothing to sneeze at. Luckily, Wintermute, which like you said, Wendy, is a very prominent player within crypto as a market maker, OTC desk, and trading firm is more or less fine. Definitely took a hit. No one wants to lose $160 million, but they have equity and other tokens on hand to shore up their own books. The interesting thing about this story is how technical it is, right? So I saw a few tweets about this. They're still trying to figure out exactly what happened. But like you said, it seemed to be a vanity address break, which essentially means someone pointed a lot of computing power at some addresses, was able to figure out the private keys behind these addresses and then exploit for funds. At least that's what we know so far. That's a pretty technical hack. And it means that someone really knew what was going on. They're really digging into the GitHub files of Wintermute, 
or at least familiar with what Wintermute was doing. This kind of shows you like what the next frontier is for a lot of these exploits. As things become more progressive, as things become more secure, you're going to see some of these hacks that are a little bit more sophisticated than the ones we've seen in the past. I think back to DeFi Summer, a lot of hacks, a lot of them were not that complex, to be honest. Like there are well-known re-entrancy attacks that have been documented for at least a few years at this point. But everyone was so new, all these projects were so new, no one really knew exactly how to go about securing their chains or securing their projects. We're a few years past that. Now we have a little bit more sophisticated hacks. Still the same amount of danger, right? You're still going to lose millions of dollars, uh, but it's a little bit harder to pull off. Jenny, I'll throw the story over to you, get your take on it. Yeah, I mean, we speak about a different hack like every other week, so much so that I've called for control to create a wipe that says crime time. I don't know if they've done it, but I think (laughs) this story, (laughs) crime time. (laughs) I think think the story and all the hack stories is just a reminder of how easy it is to track the criminals in this ecosystem. So I think it's really easy for newcomers to the space to read these headlines and be afraid to interact with DeFi protocols, be afraid to enter into the crypto ecosystem. But the hacker's address has been identified. And I think it's really important to highlight that aspect of the, of the stories when we talk about hacks. What I thought was interested, interesting is the CEO said they're treating this as a white hack hacker and they're encouraging the hacker to come forward. But are you able to treat hacks like this as a white hat or a gray hat? Isn't it the actual hacker that needs to identify themselves as this? It feels like a little bit of a PR spin. They're like, yeah, we got hacked, but we think it's a white hat hacker and hacker, please come forward and say that. Do not assume anybody's title in 2022, okay? (laughs) But I wanted to add on to this. So there's hacks and there's security vulnerabilities that happen in every single industry, especially healthcare and traditional finance. Nobody talks about it. And the reason why Mm -hmm. is because everything is super hidden. But with crypto, oh my God, we have this thing called a public ledger to where we can like see things happen in like real time. Like, oh my God, (gasps) what if? I'm just kidding. But... The good thing is, is that we are able to see these types of things that are happening. We're able to see these bad actors. I believe when I saw the original post, CZ did comment and he said, let us know, you know, let Binance know if you need anything, we're monitoring addresses now, which is good. But at the same time, it's still not a good thing because this gets pushed out to mainstream media and highlights in the negative aspect of crypto. Could just be All a right, bot of CZ though. You don't know. It's true. I've got, I have about 800 CZs in my comments every day, and I'm just so honored that he's... very active on Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) CZ clones. All right. Let's move on to another topic that happens often outside of the crypto industry, but here we talk about crypto. So digital bank Revolut has had a data breach, uh, and 50,000 customers could have been affected. So Revolut, which offers crypto trading services, notified Lithuanian authorities of an incident which included phishing. They said customer names, addresses, and emails might have been affected. So phishing is not anything new. Data breaches are not anything new. This happens often in traditional financial institutions like banks and government entities. And now we see that Revolut has had a data breach of their own. Wendy, I'm going to kick it down to you. When we're thinking about phishing scams and crypto, where does your head go? It goes to Twitter because I have 9,000 CZ bots on my anytime on my feed or post. And I just hope nobody's clicking on those links. But unfortunately, again, kind of relating this to the backstory with Wintermute, this happens all the time. And it's unfortunate. 
And it really should make us kind of think about better OPSEC practices because at the end of the day, we can't trust these entities to keep our information private. I'm just thinking about think Barstool a- Sports tweet about uh, CZ being his daddy, whatever his name is, uh, El Presidente. <laughs> it's just so stuck in my head right now. <laughs> Do you guys see that tweet? No. Was it recent? Yeah, it was like last week. I'll have to send it to you guys. Great tweet. Great tweet. Okay, let me pick this up really quick and then throw it back over to Jen. This sort of story represents what crypto is trying to fix in a lot of ways. We have these identities that everyone uses for getting their finances in order, tying to your address, tying into your personal life, tying into your 401k, your healthcare, all that stuff, right? When we see these data breaches, it's pretty devastating because it can mean that you have to change a lot of those things, that you have basically given up all sense of privacy. Crypto is trying to fix this, and it's doing it from an odd way, kind of the back way. It's using on-chain identities, and then they're going to try to tie it in with things like zero-knowledge proofs in order to make your transactions on-chain public if you want, but for the most part, private by default. We're not there, but there's a lot of great projects working on this that could make this possible within the next few years. So whenever I see a story like this, and unfortunately, they are pretty common, that's what I think about for the next step in crypto. I think that's always the tie-in for these sort of stories. Jen, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, crypto really is trying to solve this. I think it's important to mention, and I've said this before on the show, when we think about names, addresses, emails, we think those are things that we give away often. Like you can find that on a resume, you can find that on a piece of mail. And a lot of people think that it's not a big deal because that information is out there. What's important to remember is as there are more and more data breaches, and we said, you know, data breaches happen every day, criminals can start connecting your name and address and phone number to things like your financial information and other information that you would like to keep private. So please, please, please do your best due diligence to keep your information private. And if you've been notified that your information has been in a data breach, do your best to change your passwords and just be aware of what's out there. That is my public service announcement for the day. Coindesk has a new event. It's called Ideas, the Investing in Digital Assets and Enterprises Summit. It facilitates capital flow and market growth by connecting the digital economy with traditional finance. Join us for a 360 investment experience where you can source, invest, and secure the next big deal in digital assets, all in one place. Use code HASH20 for 20% off a general pass. Register today at coinest.com forward slash ideas. MicroStrategy is buying more Bitcoin, about a little bit, 300 Bitcoin at a price level of about $19,000 per coin. It's a little bit of a far cry from the big purchases we've seen in the past. Their total stash is now around 130,000 Bitcoin, putting them up there for one of the largest Bitcoin holding entities. This is sort of a lukewarm story going into a bear market, right? It's nice to see continued conviction from Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy. But at the same time, Bitcoin has broken past south of 20K. We haven't seen like a lot of support around there. It's been bumping between 17, 18, and 19K. Sort of like an announcement at the end of the party where they're like, hey, let's maybe get in the limo and go to another party. But like, the limo has like <laughs> deflated tire. We can't quite get oh, there. No. And, you know, party's over, right? The party's over. But we can still try to keep it going a little bit. Some people are playing this off as a conviction bet, right? Like. 
he's still buying even when the price is down. But to me, this story just doesn't quite sit right. Wendy, I want to get your take as a trader. How do you see this story in terms of like Bitcoin's price action? And then in terms of greater micro strategies movements, I want to get your take. I don't care about this story. I don't care about rich people buying Bitcoin. I want to see Bitcoin help the underdogs. Bitcoin was not created for rich people. But I think that it's smart because they're probably going to use this for some sort of tax break. They're probably buying Bitcoin at these prices to kind of lower their average entry price also because it looks so it'll look better on their balance sheets or whatever it is that they're using. Me personally, I've got limit orders set all the way down to $9,500 just in case I happen to get a swing wick low. But realistically, it's a big nothing burger for me. So congratulations to Michael Saylor for buying Bitcoin. Rah, rah, rah. I also was like eye roll when I saw the story. <laughs> but it is interesting because Michael Saylor is no longer the CEO at MicroStrategy. And so I didn't think we were going to see Bitcoin buys in, in the foreseeable future. I know Michael is the chairman at MicroStrategy still. And so I guess that's still a big part of their business plan. I know on the show previously, when we've spoken about MicroStrategy, we've said, like, what is their business? What do they actually do outside of buying Bitcoin? And so software. I went on their website today to take, I know they do software, to take a look at some of their customers. <laughs> um, and like Pfizer, KFC, Disney, Lowe's, they're all customers of MicroStrategy. And we talk so much about how shareholders are looking at these Bitcoin buys. I wonder how their customers are, are looking at them. And that is just what I wonder. I'm sure MicroStrategy will continue to buy Bitcoin. I think that that's a pretty safe bet. And so go, go them. Collateralize. I'll pick it up for one more thought. I agree with you guys. That's why I actually picked up this story. I think it's sort of boring at this point. Like it was so exciting back in 2020 and even 2021 when Michael Saylor was just buying up all the Bitcoin he could. But I think it's because everyone thought it was going to pump their bags, right? But now we're in this very different macro environment where there's a lot of inflation, interest rates are going up, economy's looking a little bleak. Coins are definitely not going up for quite a while. And so we see these purchases, even for lower prices, it's probably going to help micro strategy going into the next bull run. Like, I don't think anyone cares because it doesn't mean that their bags are going to go up anytime soon. And when you look at it against some of their old purchases, you're also kind of scratching your head being like, did micro strategy play this wrong? Because this purchase was really low, only 300 Bitcoin and $19,000 per coin. And they used to buy coins, you know, for thousands of dollars for you know $50,000 buy prices and they bought thousands of coins. So it's a little bit different entry and it seems like they maybe didn't play this whole market correctly. And that means that there could be some weakness within one of the bigger players out there. Wendy, to you before we move on to the last segment. I don't have a source for this. It is something I read on Twitter, so excuse me, but I did see something. <laughs> I did see something Twitter's that Michael Saylor... It is. Everything is real. I made it up. No, but I did see something that MicroStrategy has a set fund of reserves that they're going to be utilizing to continue to dollar cost average into Bitcoin. It was a lot of money. So I think that they're just going to continue to do that throughout the entire bear market. And hopefully once we do go into the next Bitcoin crypto NFT bull market, they come out on top and we don't get in any more trouble with the third party ivory tower legislation bodies. I'd love to see MicroStrategy just, you know, diversify a little bit, you know? Maybe pick up some oh, altcoins. No. There is no second some best. Coins. There is no second best. <laughs> Will Michael Taylor Jr. Get some moon bags. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our last segment today. The first episode of this podcast 
drops tomorrow on the Coindesk Podcast Network. You can get it the same place as you get the hash. It's called Women Who Web 3, and it is hosted by Cams. Joining us now is Cams to tell us all about the new podcast. Hello. Hi, everyone. I'm super pumped to be here. This is so exciting. I'm Cams. Nice to meet everyone. You guys are in for a treat. Women Who Web 3 is made for you, whether you're crypto curious or if you're a crypto expert who knows if they actually exist out there. But we're here to elevate women across all technologies on Web3, whether you're into NFTs, DeFi, the metaverse, and blockchain development, whatever it is that you're into, AI, VR, we are here to find those experts and those women founders, builders, and leaders in the space to talk about, educate, and share with you all of their initiatives that they're working on. And we are so excited to have this show dedicated to women. We want to onboard as many women as possible to the Web3 space. As you know, in the Web3 space, like Web2 and Web1, it's very male-dominated still. And this is very important for women because we want women to be a part of this, the decision-making that goes into the future of money, the next iteration of Web3 or of the internet. And so this is your chance to come on and just listen hear from those experts in their space, these women founders, these leaders, understand how to accomplish the goals that you set out to, be exposed to different strategies, be exposed to meditation. I end each podcast with a five-minute meditation to relax you that addresses how to overcome burnout, how to give you some strategies for relaxation and calm as you juggle and handle everything that you're trying to do as an entrepreneur, as a contractor, as a builder, as a founder, as a follower, whatever you are, whoever you are, an author, this podcast is for you. And we want to introduce you and bring you into the Web3 space in a safe and fun way. I think you have the right voice for guided meditation, Cams. I would listen. and 10%. I'll kick it off first. Cams, tell us your story. I mean, we talk so much about women getting into Web3, but I think it's really important to hear individual stories. How did you get into the space and how did this podcast come to be? Oh my gosh, what a great question. So just like a lot of women that I talked to about the Web3 space, my husband was all over it. He was all into NFTs. He was a trader. So he was all into DeFi and he was flipping and making a lot of money from this. And I was like, what is that? And he was throwing around a lot of words I had never heard in my life, like cold wallets, watching the floor price and all sorts of things. And I felt like, I was like, okay, I've been to Harvard. I know I'm smart, but I felt so dumb. Like it was a completely different language. And I took it upon myself. You know what? I need to educate myself. I need to stop being ignorant. I needed to take responsibility and accountability to learn this new wave of technology. This, because Web3, blockchain, all of these technologies are here to stay and they're the future. And so I did whatever I could. I dove into NFTs. I dove into, I started with Surge. I started with BFF. And these are women-led NFT projects that are having the mission to make the Web3 metaverse space more inclusive and to build belonging for women and non-binary people and those people who identify as women. And I, I just jumped down the rabbit hole. I started consuming everything I could, podcasts. I was all over NFT and crypto Twitter. And at the time, 
I, that I was trying to figure out about this new space, I had been re- let go from my previous team, which it, they let go of the whole entire product team. So I was on the lookout for a completely new job. And my husband was like, why don't you try blockchain? And, and I was like, you know what? I'm a UX researcher. I could go anywhere I want. And I found an amazing team at Blockdaemon. And I was pregnant at the time. And they were like, you know what? Get in here. We're going to give you maternity leave. And we have flexible hours. We have an incredible team. You can work whatever hours you want. And it was just like unlimited paid time off. And it just felt like the right environment for my family and my future family. That's why I also want women to join the Web3 space because of the opportunities it builds for you to be flexible with your family. And so after maternity leave, I, well, actually during maternity leave, I had a ton of time when my baby was sleeping. And so I dove into blockchain development. I learned and built my and launched my first smart contract. And it was just so exciting. I love talking to people in the NFT space. There were so many women and so many moms who were just incredible, juggling a million things, (laughs) learning about this new, hey, learning about this new space. And they were making money on the side. They were building passive income streams. And artists were finally taking control of their work and selling them and making money off of them. So during the maternity leave, I learned so much about the background of blockchain, um, what makes it work, how, how are people actually building on it. So after maternity leave, I told my company, I want to jump in. I heard about this crypto festival on Twitter called Consensus, hosted by Coindesk. It looks super legit. I really want to go and I really want to learn everything I can. My company was like, heck yeah, go learn. Go become a professional. Learn, your, learn see what everybody else is doing. And so I got to jump back in after maternity leave, going straight to a crypto festival. And that's where I heard about Coindesk. It was everywhere, obviously. And we had this wallet experience at the festival where you had desk, you know, the number dollar sign desk, um, and you could buy things with. And I thought it was so cool. And I saw an advertisement for So You Think You Can Podcast. And I was like, "Ah, I'm going to sign up. I'm just going to see. A lot of people have told me, like you guys said, my voice is something that is kind of, you know, a lot of people have said, oh, it's so soothing. You should share your voice. You should podcast. You should do meditations online. <laughs> and, you know, when I met Jared and team at the Coindesk podcast, it looked so cool. Like there was this cool setup. There was mics everywhere. I was wearing my baby and I was high-fiving the other two women that brought their babies there. And a crowd started gathering. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And Jared was like, can you talk about anything crypto or NFTs for like 15 minutes? I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm just going to (laughs) try. And I kept going. I talked about how women needed to have more representation in the NFT space and the crypto space. I talked about how crypto and Web3 had such a high technological barrier and that we really needed to break these barriers down through user uh, making more user-friendly wallet experience about looking at the user experience in general and making it more friendlier and welcoming for women. And little did they know, like time ran out. They were like, okay, you've been talking for 20 minutes now. And I was like, I did not know I could talk about NFTs, Web3, crypto for more than 20 minutes. And a crowd had gathered, as I mentioned, and they were like, get her, hire her. That was amazing. I learned so much. And these were older men. And I was like, wow, I educated someone on something I am currently learning about. And I just, it was such a beautiful feeling. It was very rewarding. I had 
two moms come up to me and say, wow, thank you so much for standing up for women. You did that show with your baby on your chest. (laughs) So it was, it was phenomenal, an amazing experience. Can you talk to us a little bit about more what we can expect on your podcast? I know that you're super tech heavy, which is awesome because I am not. So I'm going to be learning from you. But talk to us a little bit about what we can expect to hear on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. What a great question. It's a very friendly podcast. Uh, You do not have to know anything about Web3, crypto, blockchain technology to understand what's going on. The guests that I brought on were strategic. I'll share with you a couple of them. Laura Shin, who is a famous crypto journalist and author. She comes on and really breaks down what crypto is and what a world that has adopted crypto looks like. Then we go to Sandy Carter, who is just incredible at really breaking down really nebulous concepts like what is Web3 to where even my mom could understand it. And my mom is from the Philippines. She grew up without a refrigerator and it took her maybe 10 years to figure out a cell phone. We really break it down. It's not so simple that you're going to get bored. There's going to be a lot of topics to challenge you and really challenge how you think, especially as a woman, as a leader. We talk about very intimate, vulnerable topics such as imposter syndrome, how to find your voice, increasing visibility, building your brand, things of that nature to really give those techniques and skills to women and men to be their best self and to show up as best as they can and to be okay with how they show up and not to judge themselves through mindfulness. And so we're really excited and and I hope everybody tunes in. There's meditations, there is expertise, like knowledge on like how to execute. So everything you need to really level up in your professional journey and your journey through the Web3 space. Cams, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to listen to the podcast tomorrow because I still can't figure out what Web3 is. So hopefully I will <laughs> learn something too. Thank you so much, Women Who Web3 podcast. The first episode drops tomorrow, which is Wednesday on the Coindesk podcast network. If you are listening to the hash right now, it's the same network. So you're already there. You already know how to access this podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, (laughs) set alerts. (laughs) There you go. Like, comment, subscribe, five-star rating. I was on there. We already have a really great rating on the Coindesk Podcast Network, but it could be better. So get on there, rate us well, listen to our stuff, and we will see you again tomorrow. I'm Jen Sanasi, Will Foxley, and Wendy O. For joining me on the hash today. Always a pleasure seeing you both. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to the hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, the hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. <laughs>